Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And we are back with a guest this week. And uh, this is something we've talked about. And uh, we've discussed how agencies do it. But we've uh, never actually sat down and spoken to somebody who does it. Chuck, who did you uh, get for us this week? So we have John here. And this is something that I have only seen once. It's like a unicorn. It's a rare breed. Um, it is a police officer that is a dual status or a public servant that is a uh, that has police powers that is a dual status as a firefighter. And so they have double duties, fighting fires, arresting bad guys, um, full police powers, full firefighting powers. They can drag a hose. They can shoot a gun. They're a unicorn. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember the first time I had heard about this, it was the city of Sunnyvale in California. And Wait, that's a real place. Yeah. I always see it on the, the post trainings and I'm like, what's Sunnyvale? Where the fuck is Sunnyvale? <laughs> yeah. Sunnyvale is in Northern California and they actually have a public safety department that is police officers and firefighters that are dual. It's not, oh, they work in the same building. No, I, I, I worked near a city where the police station and the fire station were the same building, but different classifications. This gentleman, John, if you correct us, if we uh, correct us if we're wrong, uh, just like Sunnyvale, the way Chuck described it is you are simultaneously a police officer and a firefighter. That's some self-hating stuff right there. Do you guys have to ease yourselves? <laughs> Be argue with yourself? <laughs> no, you are. You kind of hit the nail on the head with it. Um, yeah, we uh, we do both. And it kind of sucks a lot of the time, but it's a. Uh, it's a good gig. I really enjoy it. Well, I, I, I cannot wait. First, first, let's just start off with, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been on the job and how you got into it. Um, and, and then I cannot wait to hear some of your stories because I can, I can only imagine what it's like to, uh, and, and how that works. So. All right. So as you know, my name's John, um, I am currently, my job classification is a public safety officer, um, but for the city of Cedar Falls in Iowa, I, um, I've been doing this for going on two and a half years now. Uh, pretty much what we do is we get hired on as a police officer and we go through the academy process, all the field training, and then they send us through a fire school and once we pass that we get the job classification title as public safety officer pso for short and then we get to have the luxury of dealing with both now you guys are about 40,000 and about if i'm if my research is right you guys are about 40,000 population wise and about 30 square miles so you're you're about the same size as the city I worked for, a little bit bigger population wise, um, a little bit smaller square mileage wise. But uh, do you you say you become a police officer first? So do you go to the police academy when you get hired? Do you put yourself through the police academy? How does that work? Uh, so they will actually send you through the police academy here. Um, you usually don't send yourself. You usually get hired on as a quote unquote, non-certified officer, you get sworn in and then you'll get a set academy date. And then that's when you appear. And then once you graduate, that's when uh, you're considered a certified. Okay. Huh. And that's after the police academy graduation, then you can begin your duties on the street, but only as a police officer, or do they have, do they have you doing field training stuff? as a firefighter before you go to the fire academy? How does that work? So that's kind of a, a weird situation. It kind of depends on the how staffing is at the time that you're going through it. Um, I've When I did it, I finished my police FTO and I was out on, the, on my own for six or seven months before they decided that they were going to send me through um, fire school. And... Fire school lasted uh, 
right at around a month and a half. And it is purely uh, a nine to five schooling. That is your job for that time being. And once you finish that, you take the test. You uh, How many weeks? Uh, it's about six-ish, depending on uh, how much we had it's going on. Fire Academy I've ever heard of. Yeah. And it's all in-house for um for the department. So they'll send you through it and we oh, have it's in-house training. Okay. So you, you yep. guys it's 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 basically like um when you get enough members of your department to host a school, you host one and then everybody that needs to go through it goes through it together. Yep, exactly. Just like okay. that. <clears throat> so can you spend your whole career as uh, public safety safety officer and never be chosen to go into the fire squad or is it they're just waiting for you to get a certain amount of uh, training under your belt and then they're like okay we can bring them over so how it's set up now is we have a fully staffed police department and a fully staffed fire department and it's all in the same building like you were saying before um, mm-hmm. and the difference is is everyone over on the fire department is cross-trained as a police officer and everyone over on the PD is cross-trained as a firefighter. And it's more or less a seniority thing on where you go. So you could swap over to the fire department when a shift day comes out at the end of the year, no problem. And then if staffing permits and you have enough seniority and you want to be over on PD, you can put your name in for that and go back over. But I mean, like you're still doing the same job. But what, what does that mean? Doing the same job. So like, yeah, like, so for firefighters, for, for the guys that I worked with, they went to the station house, they slept there. They did, you know, 24 to 48 to, you know, 72 hour, they did all kinds of different shifts. Um, And then they go home. And the, you know, the next squad would take over. Uh, do your fire guys work shifts, like 12-hour shifts the way cops do, and then go home? They don't sleep there? How does that work? So uh, the fire side does actually do 24-hour shifts. Um, the kind of differences for what the fire side does is we have all of our police gear with us at the fire station. So if a shooting or a stabbing or some violent crime that warranted the fire department to be there, they would dress out in their moat, like their ballistic vests and they would have their gun with them. So when they arrived on scene, if they arrived on scene first, (laughs) that's fucking cool. They could obviously still do emergency department that doesn't have to stage, but still be able to, have each other six and have somebody not come up behind them. So, so wow. And then the, so let me, I'm sorry, go ahead. And the difference for the PD side is they work their, their normal eight hour shift, but they'll carry their fire gear with them in the back of the squad car. So if a legitimate fire call came out, like a structure fire, we actually had one <clears throat> yesterday and obviously squad cars get places a little bit faster than the fire truck. So if they get on scene, they can kind of assess the situation, call out over the radio, give a good scene size up, find hydrants. They can dress out and be ready to go by the time the fire truck gets there. And so the police cars have turnouts in them. There you go. Yep. Oh, so John, let me, let me get this straight. <clears throat> if you choose now, correct me if I'm wrong. If you choose to be fire, um, and like you through seniority and you're like, okay, I want to go fire and you vice versa. You're on fire. And you're like, I want to go police and you switch. And now you're assigned to fire or the police side. If a crazy call comes out and you're a cop and it's a crazy fire and vice versa, if it's, if you're a cop and then the crazy call, um, call comes out and the, you need FD guys to come over here. Do they just kind of like drop what they're doing and, and, and go over there because they already have their gear or is it for every call? Um, type of thing does it make sense it's a a call to call type deal um so a case by case okay Uh, so like really big stuff you would a really big fire if you're on the pd side 
and they needed more bodies, you'd be like, hey, call someone patrol over here, have them get their turnouts. We need bodies for a structure fire and vice versa. Hey, we have a multi-casualty uh, shooting. Barricaded suspect. or Barricaded suspect. We need more officers. Call some of the fire perimeter. Exactly. So we just got it. And it would keep people from um, have like, and obviously, I guess if the situation was big enough, they would call from home that were off duty. But it gives a few more bodies to lend a hand if a situation arose and we would have our equipment with us, no matter if it's fire or PD, to be able to adequately assist with the situation. Now, one last question for this. If you're working the fire side and they come come over and then they go to a they go to a fire and the fire guys are all at a fire and they have, like say they have an arson suspect or something. Um, do they uh, call PD to make the arrest or will they just take them in in their fire gear, show them their badge and be like, I'm a cop. This guy's under arrest for arson, yada, yada. Or if they get dispatched to an extra call, like an extra body for a police call and they get stuck with a body, do they handle that body or does the regular patrol who are assigned to patrol handle that body? So usually if there's an arrest and, or, a potential arrest, we're going to have a marked unit with somebody in the black and whites there. Um, We technically do have powers of arrest and we could, but it's just kind of one of those things to where if I'm in my bunkers, I would rather not have to really go hands-on with the guy. I mean, obviously if the situation warranted it, we would, but I'd rather have, somebody there to have on body cam saying like, Hey, I'm in police uniform. Um, I have all the powers these guys do. It's just, I'm going to be the one doing it because I have a cage in the back of my car and they don't. Uh, Makes sense. Makes sense. Wow. That's really cool. So here's a, here's one that I'm curious. And we're, we're, we've got so many questions. We're going to get to your stories, I guess. Uh, So, for my agency, there were plenty of times when we were short bodies, you know, it's just a common occurrence, right? Yep. So if, if, if you guys are short bodies, does everybody, does anybody ever get snagged out of the station house and say, I know you're working fire right now, but grab a black and white and go ten eight and shag calls. Oh yeah. All the time. All the time. That sucks. <laughs> you show up to your fire shift. You're like, ah, oh, it's going to be a nice you know, relaxing day. Going to be my late. <laughs> Boy, hey, and they're usually pretty, pretty good about not doing it, but it, I mean, it happens quite a few times. Um, that's usually only for a half of a shift until they could get somebody to come in early for the shift after or something like that, because obviously you're going to be swamped with both your fire calls and your PD calls if you're, um, obviously on shift at the fire department and you're in your black and whites in a squad car. So does your watch commander just make those decisions? Like your, whoever is your watch commander, they decide who's working what and when you pull bodies and stuff like, or does that have to come from above? Do they have to, is it just kind of a rotational thing? Like, well, it was my, it was my turn to get yanked out of the fire department last week. Now it's, you know, John's turn. I bet it's lowest serial number. Seniority or what? It it is all based on seniority. Oh, and, you got the lowest. Who's got the lowest serial number? All right, you're going to patrol today. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, I guess I wouldn't say unfortunately. Uh, on my shift on the fire department, I am the least senior here. Well, so that if there absolutely any incident that goes on to where you have to be juggling back and forth, I'm more than likely going to be that person that is running over to the PD running back over here. And it's fine because I, I got into the profession to be a police officer and then seniority kind of put me over on the fire side, which is completely fine. I'm, I'm here to help out as much as I can to the best of my ability. You, you know, what's crazy Tom? I think this, 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 this agency has it right because this would prevent burnout and, and they have really smart individuals that are there because it's not 
I mean, we always joke with firefighters. Oh, you grab a hose, you put out a fire. Ooh, big. No, dude. Like they know a lot of stuff about structures and things like that. So their brain, they're really smart. Their brains work differently. Right. Um, and then they have the cop brain, right. Which you have to know all this law and all this craziness and probable cause, you know, reasonable suspicion, all this, all this um, law stuff combined them both. You got a really smart agency and if you're like, hey, I'm kind of burnt out on the PD side, and you go to fire. Now you get to not necessarily relax because we all know that firefighting job is is strenuous. It's just when a, they're actually doing it, but it's it's a different different view. You know, it looks like that she's seen like change. View. I like uh, that. That's great. I, I I mean, I've said it before. You know, I joke that I got in the wrong line at the police academy, but fire is magic, and you can't shoot magic. I I don't know that I would want to have to be a firefighter um it, the job is interesting but not enough to make me want to do it so i i don't know that i would want to go to an agency where i had to do fire department stuff as well i don't like medical aids i don't like cpr i, I just i'd rather chase bad guys and hook and book all day long do surveillance uh, all I, so now that, that there's a that leads me to an interesting question. What about detectives and investigations and undercover assignments and arson investigators and engineer? Because at a certain point, well, the right, cops are arson investigators. Well, that, oh, I that's, that's a big question. So at a certain point, like as you become an engineer, right, those are specialties that and skills that you acquire that kind of mean you're heavily or more heavily weighted towards the fire side. Versus if you go to like, you know, wiretap investigation, narcotics investigation, financial crimes investigation, sexual assault investigation schools. Now you're weighing your special skills more towards the police side. So how does that work? So our investigative unit is made up of the the PSOs. So they're they're all cross-trained. And on the PD side, they deal probably 90% of their job is dealing with police investigation and investigative work. But just like uh, we actually had a structure fire. Oh, what was it? Two days ago? Yesterday? I think it was yesterday. And it was a fully engulfed uh, residential house. Um, So we had pretty much everybody on shift coming in and kind of just putting bodies to this fire. And our investigative unit was out delegating who goes where to try to ease the the tension of trying to figure out, hey, what am I supposed to do? I'm coming in from my house. I got a call back. Um, they become told- logistical support to a certain extent. Exactly. And they are there at the PD and you walk in and they're just like, what gear do you have with you? We'll get you a squad car. If you have your PD gear with you, if you have your fire gear, we can send you over here and you're going to be doing this. And your name gets put up on the board and that is your job until you get told to do otherwise. Wow. That's wild. Well, so, but that's the, Oh, go ahead. And yeah, they assist uh, with a lot of our our big calls on the fire side um, when those come. But for like an arson investigator, we have um, a an investigator solely for that. That is a PSO, but his job is kind of the exact opposite of the police investigator. He's the fire investigator, so like ninety percent of his duties fall to the fire side. So, but I guess. What I'm asking then is, is um, you said you can bid to go work at the firehouse and the fire station yep. versus bid to work at the police station. This at some point they wouldn't want to invest in all this detective training for narcotics or for sexual assault or you know sex crimes or you know kitty crimes or financial crimes or even become an arson investigator because you there's a lot of schooling involved with that do you have to agree to do a, a certain amount of time is it a permanent assignment what is to prevent someone from doing a year in investigations getting all this training and then going eh, 
screw this. I'm going to go be a firefighter again. So for our investigators, and I want to say that it is a three-year kind of contract. That is your kind of your duty area for three years, and then you're able to bid back out of it. So you you get your time in whenever you um, go to one of those special assignments, because if you bid for it and you get it, you're going to stay there. You understand you're going to have to stay there for the duration. And and I'm assuming like if you need to be let out like any other agency, they can let you out early for, for, you know, extenuating circumstances or, you know, um, promotions or, you know, things of that nature. And probably like my agency, most of the guys that put in for those assignments, they want them and therefore they want to stay in them as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. I would think so, so. The, uh, the exchange rate is actually pretty low um, because the people that, want to be in there or tend to be in there. And then there's the, the few extenuating circumstances. Like let's just say we have an officer that gets injured or gets pregnant or kind of whatever, and is far enough along to where they get put on light duty. They'll go back and assist an investigation so they can continue to work and do that. But that's a little bit different of a circumstance. Sure. So at, we, you've said that you joined because you want to be a police officer, but right now you're on the fire side of things. How, how do you find it? Is it what, what's anything surprised you about it? Or, or do you, do you find you enjoy it more than you thought? Do you enjoy it less than you thought? You can't wait to get out of it. How does, how does, how do you feel about that? So I I did get into this profession of being a police officer. And like I said before, the seniority aspect of it put me where I am now. I were at the firehouse. I, it's kind of weird because I enjoy aspects of it a lot. And then there's aspects of it that I cannot wait to get away from. I, I love the the schedule of it. You have a lot of <laughs> who days, wouldn't, right? you a lot of days off. Like who can who can uh, complain about that? Mm-hmm. But uh, the twenty four hour shifts kind of get old really fast, uh, especially those three a.m. calls when you've been running and gunning all day, and you finally get back at twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning, and then you close your eyes and you're back at it again. And it, that's, that's the things that I don't really miss and I don't like, but there's a lot of things that actually pleasantly surprised me. Um, I did not think I would enjoy like actually dealing with fire as much as I do. Um, I'm, I'm not an arsonist, I swear, but uh, <laughs> the fire but, bug. <laughs> Yeah, it's there's there's really fun things about it, and there's some not so fun things about it. Just the, I guess the most uh, difficult aspect of it is dealing with the politics of the firehouse, which are completely different than at a police department. Even though that but, we're, but for you guys, busy. you're all the same people, right? So how does the how, how does it <laughs> it's, like it's, everybody's it's very, personalities change when they get into the fire station? And some do, they really do. But uh, wow. like, you'll have uh, like you have to go out and mow, and it, like that's that's the the firehouse oh, sure. do stuff like that, and you got to go go mow and do all the uh, yard the work and stuff. Yeah, you gotta be, gotta be a housewife at the, at the fire station, and then go back home and do it again. I would imagine there are people that you guys have identified, or or people that have self-identified as being better at or enjoying one more than the other. Um, does that ever happen? Where where you guys are like, oh, he needs to stay in the firehouse. He, he he's perfectly suited to mow lawns and. 
wash the engine and make spaghetti and root beer floats and go respond to medical aids. But I don't want him on a police call or I don't want her in the fire station with me, you know, you know, or whatever it is. Like, are, do you guys have people that you feel like that or, or that they feel like that about themselves where they don't want to, you know, like, oh, no, I want to stay on fire forever. I don't ever want to have to go back to police. Not really, which is kind of surprising because I know a lot of places there's kind of one or two of those types of individuals in every department you go to. Mm-hmm. But here it's everyone's really kind of willing to go and do as needed which is kind of nice. And for the most part, I would, I would trust everyone at this department to cover my back while clearing a building and covering my back while we put the water on a house fire. Like it's, it's everyone's kind of just willing to help out. For my agency. Yeah, me too. Cause I've worked with some people where you're like, um yeah let's just let's keep that person at the 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 cp and uh let's not have them on this stick i can't Uh, remember if i've said this out loud on the show or not but my wife had a list and i told her uh if something happens to me i'm injured you know gravely injured seriously wounded shot, killed anything like that in the line of duty and i am working on shift with anybody on this list you are immediately to hire a lawyer and subpoena any and all disciplinary and training records for all of those individuals. Because I knew that there were certain officers that I had worked with that were more likely to get me hurt or killed than others. So I I was just curious if some people get involved and they're like, well, I know I have to be a cop, but I really want to do the fire stuff more or uh, I know, like like you're saying, you know, I like the fire stuff, but I got into this to be a cop. Yeah, I think most people have the same attitude that I do. So there's a couple of them, quite a few, actually, that got in to do fire stuff. And they're like, I, I knew being a police officer was going to be a part of the job when I took the position because that was in the job application was you're going to have to get certified as a police officer. So it was, it's not a surprise to anybody when they get hired and they're like, oh, you're going to the police academy or, oh, you're going to the fire academy. So everyone kind of knew what they were getting themselves into. And there are people that, like me, either want to be on the police side more than they want to be on the fire side or vice versa. But like they understood the the job assignment when they signed up, like they're, they're going to help out to the best of their ability wherever they get sent. And how do call outs work? For like, if uh, like a big incident came on. Yeah. I mean, you get a, let's say you get a call out where you need both police and fire. And, and do you guys have on call people that, that have to listen to the radio or, or answer their phone? Or is it everybody is on call if the phone rings and then when you, you know, you get the phone call or when you get to scene, they'll, they'll tell you what you need to respond for, or they tell you what gear to bring, how to call outs work. So we actually have an app on our phone called I am responding. I don't know if you've heard of it, Never. Uh, it. but it's connected with our uh, dispatcher and say our fire command gets on scene of a structure fire determines, Hey, we need more bodies. He'll get over the radio to dispatch and be, Hey, do a callback. And will everyone with that app for our agency will get a very loud and annoying and nonstop notification saying, please respond, please respond. This is what it is. And it'll kind of be like the weather service announcement for. Wow weather and it'll come across the screen and you can look at it and read kind of what's going on and just yesterday it popped up and it was like please respond please respond clicked on and it said general callback residential fire this address and then you just kind of show up and that's when the delegation happens is when you get there and they're like hey what do you have this is what we need 
I'll send you here, yada, yada, yada. So now nice. can, can you decline or snooze or wipe that red circle on that? Or how does Not that work? today. Yeah, you, you can decline, obviously. Like, Is there I mean, a I've we, been drinking button? <laughs> there's just a, like, you can hit not responding or you can hit respond and then kind of just give an estimated time frame of how long it's going to take you to be there. And nobody's going to ask why you didn't respond, because obviously if you're out of town, you're not going to get there. If you're drinking, you're not going to get there. Or you just worked a 72-hour shift and you're asleep and sleep through it, you're not going to get there. I mean, it's kind of just, hey, we need help. Please help. We understand if you can't, but. Now, if you if you reply that you are not, if you RSVP in the negative too many times, does it look bad? Like, do they keep honest, track? I don't, I don't know if that's a, a thing that is tracked and they keep, a, like, data on it. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I've never seen anybody have an issue with it i mean i I could imagine supervisors being what they are they'd be like man jones never hits that i am responding button he always declines man he he, you know don't don't even bother sending it like they supervisors my long memory for that stuff at least as long as i've been here i've i've never seen that being an issue i'm not saying that it's not or it won't be in the future, but so far it hasn't been. Well, we are looking forward to you telling us some of your stories. And I guess as the questions pop up, we'll, we'll ask them if you got, whether you got one or two or three or whatever you got, please share. Cause this is a very a unique situation. Um, and like, like Chuck and I said, we, I, I know of very few departments like this. So I'm, I'm completely curious as to how, some of your scenarios have, have stacked up. I'm sure you have plenty that are just cop stories and plenty that are just fire stories, but I, I'm curious to, to, to know what kinds of stuff you guys deal with. Yeah. Cause the only guy I ever knew of was a fire guy who was so scored away. He was on the SWAT team for the police side. And that's all he did was fire stuff and SWAT stuff. Right. That he was, was like it. The team medic or something. Um, I think he was, uh, he may have been a medic. He may have been cross-trained, but he was definitely on the SWAT team, um, like full time, but he was also a full time firefighter. But their SWAT team, it was in San Diego County, and they so he's probably a medic to be honest. Um, yeah, and medic. yeah, but that was our, was our, our SWAT medic was a was a firefighter, somebody that we'd pulled from our fire department to be. The, he was he was a tactically sound firefighter that we knew could handle his business, so we they drafted him or asked him to apply for the SWAT medic position. Anyway, the floor is yours, John. Tell us, please tell, share us, uh, share with us some of your stories. All right. So I, I have uh, one that kind of leans more towards the PD side and I have another one that leans more towards the fire side. Um, the first one is going to be leaned towards PD. It was, oh shoot, probably a month and a half, two months ago. Um, we had a shooting happen down and we have an area town called College Hill, which is basically a strip of bars just, just on the edge of campus for the local university here. And we had some people call in, report that there was a car and an individual and there was multiple people in the car and they were having a shootout in the parking lot. Dang. And wow. And so we got there, we found a person with a gunshot wound to the chest laying in front of the bar, no car to be found. And we're like, Oh, this is not good. So we threw kind of everything on for like PD kind of cleared the scene, made sure that we weren't going to have somebody come up and shoot us in the back. And we had somebody throw a chest seal on and waited for PD to arrive. And when PD arrived, we got a larger area secured. So that way we could bring EMS in, get the guy loaded up 
into the ambulance and go that way. And while we were doing that, we had somebody from the hospital, which was ironically about eight blocks away from where it happened, call in saying that there's a dead man in the parking lot <laughs> in the car. We're like, oh, okay, this is great. Yeah, we're, we're looking at him. <laughs> so we get over there, and sure enough, there is a deceased individual in the backseat of a car. And so we have to go clear the parking lot, make sure there's no one else there. The ambulance arrives with the original gunshot victim. And they ask us to stand by while we kind of try to figure out what's going on. So we had somebody stand by at the hospital outside of the room of the original gunshot victim to basically make sure nobody came back and finished the job or kind of whatever. And it was, it was a cluster all night, but it turns out that it was a uh, gang involved shooting. And the person that was shot in the chest outside the bar saw some opposing gang members in a car and they started having some back and forth banter. And then they started shooting at one another guy, uh, actually shoots the driver. The driver drives his car off, hits a tree passenger in the backseat passenger, get out of the car, do a Chinese fire drill, grab the driver who's shot, throw him in the backseat. The, Two people that aren't shot run back, shoot the guy that was on foot to begin with, run back to the car down the road, and then drive to the hospital and leave their uh, their their buddy in the the backseat of the car, and he passed away. So they they took off, and the guy in the car was also a gunshot victim from the the shooting at the bar. So you had two victims in two separate locations from the same incident. In those kinds of situations, what do they teach you guys as far as your priorities? Because I know for police and fire, obviously when police officers respond, we know what our priorities are because we are the police. And when the firefighters respond, they know what their priorities are because they are fire. Do How do you guys as, you know, carrying dual status prioritize or what do they teach you about prioritizing when you respond on scene? Uh, It's it's kind of a uh, a fluid uh, situation, so it's ever so changing. So when we get there, obviously, our safety first. So we're we're clear in the area, make sure there's no one going to come up and try and kill us when we get there Mm -hmm. and then. Our next thing, if we don't find anybody that's going to do that, then that means we then turn to try and render aid to the individual that is down or try to correct the situation that has turned south. But if we do find somebody who happened to try to come back and get behind us or whatever, then unfortunately, the person that has a gunshot wound is going to have to wait until we no longer have a threat so it kind of flew it like that so regardless of your status it's immediate threat to yourself and the public first then rendering aid to victims second and then finally investigation and pursue the criminal offenders third correct yes when when you're on the pd side yes so if you're a police role even if you're on the fire side if you're in police gear then you're (laughs) acting more as an officer than a firefighter does that change when you are working like for in your example let's say the fire station is real close to this bar and all the pd units are at the south end of town dealing with the drunk and fire actually responds to the bar and the gunshot victim first, right? Like, is that, is that what happened in this case? Yep, that is correct. Right. So you guys Damn. respond on scene as the fire department, but 
do not function as the fire department until like you, you, you kind of switch hats. You show up on scene first, function as the police department. Then when the scene is secure, you switch hats and function as the fire department and render aid. Then when the aid is rendered and you can hand the body off, you switch hats again and you go back to investigation and pursuit of suspects. Uh, essentially. So it's kind of ever so changing, like I said, so we would arrive on scene, we'd have our, our fire engine and people would be like, Oh, the fire department's here. And then uniformed officers would be getting out of the fire engine and being obviously clearing the area, trying to figure out what's going on, make sure there's no threat to ourselves or others. And then once we determine that there is no longer a threat in the area and we could safely render aid to the victim or stop the fight or kind of whatever was going on that got us there and dressed out to begin with. And we would switch hats back over to the fire department, even though that we would be dressed in our turnouts. Yeah. uh, Our PD gear. So we would have our bulletproof vests and our guns. But at that point we could kind of switch over and be like, okay, so no threat now's the time to where we can start legitimately focusing on the victim pd's gonna be here or they're already here they can they can now hold more of the pd role and expand that perimeter try to try to locate the suspect and while we're now dealing with the victim as as a firefighter role emt role medic role whatever you have i have a few questions one is all the fire guys, are they um, uh, paramedics or just EMTs too? Um, you you have your guns in, in your fire truck. And three, uh, please tell me there has been a police pursuit inside of a fire truck. All right. I'll, I'll go with the last one first because you, you seem to be really excited about that. Yes, there has been. <laughs> oh, my awesome. God. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's Badass. And I'm, I mean, I can only assume the big red truck handles it until a black us? and white comes <laughs> over to handle it. But it's still awesome. The idea that a big red truck would go in pursuit of a suspect. So it, it was on paper and other things. It was oh, it was a legitimate pursuit, but it was grand total of about 800 yards at about five miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's still awesome. Okay. That's All right. Well, it's still cool. And yes, we uh, we do occasionally have our our firearms inside the the fire apparatus with us. Wow, there's the firefighter in him. He called it an apparatus. <laughs> okay. See? There it is. Big red truck. Yeah, we, we we're like it's a big red truck, and he's like the apparatus. <laughs> it, is, it is a red truck. That's right. Okay, um, so what? Go please. Go ahead with your other story. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot the original question that was said. Cause I went just, straight to the, uh, are you guys like par- all paramedic or are you just EMT oh, yeah. and some are paramedics? Ah, yes. Uh, so we have some on staff that are paramedics and then the rest of us for the most part are EMTs. Got it. So I'm an EMT. Our captain on shift right now is actually a paramedic. And then everyone else here is an EMT, so we can all function at minimum uh, basic life support. Awesome. Well, what's your what's your next story? Oh, it this one actually falls. Uh, uh, it was a fire the other day. Actually, um, I was on shift. It was three in the morning, and we get a fire call and it comes out as a residential fire a propane tank caught on fire caught the outside deck and the stairs on fire and is now coming up the the outside of the house so we go in route we're in the fire truck and we're not even halfway there and we have people on the pd switching channels over to our fire attack channel which is directly talking to us in the the fire truck and they're saying Hey, this is where the fire is. This is the best route to come in with the fire truck because this is where the hydrant is. Uh, you can have a more direct attack parking here than here. Uh, don't park directly on the street. You're going to want to come in through the alleyway from the east. 
And by the time we got there, we already had a good visual of what the house looked like, where we were going to park because we knew where a hydrant was. We had a clearing in the alleyway because PD moved cars and we parked. I got out and we had a hose directly pulled from the fire engine and we had water uh, on. I'm sorry, it would be directly dragged from. <laughs> <laughs> so one of our cross lays, uh, it was, we had water on the fire in less than 30 seconds. Wow. So it, it really speeds up the process, uh, allows us to work together more efficiently because we all have an idea of each other's roles that we're playing at that point in time. And then within 12 hours later, we had one across town from the original one where a fully involved structure fire. That's when the callback happened, but PD arrived on scene and they have hydrant bags, which has spanner wrenches, different sorts of attachments for the fire hydrant to, they can have the hydrant flushed when we get there. So that means Whoever is pumping that day will have to basically get out, roll a hose, and connect it to the hydrant, and you will have a a water source to continue to put water on the fire. And you can have water on fire very quickly if things are already prepped and ready to go by the time you get there. Sure. If all the all the the prep work is done, I mean, if you know how to do it, then it saves you a heck of a lot of time. Oh yeah. Now, what happens for guys that, like, are there guys that are just better at it than others? Like, I mean, it, firefighting is a, is a different skill set than police work. Uh, you know, handling medical aids is a different skill set than than investigations and chasing bad guys. Do you do you find that that everybody has their own aptitudes for it, or or are they pretty good at cross training everybody and it just it, everybody kind of is the same there there are definitely noticeable traits on where people lie and they are obviously better at one than the other i would say i'm much better at doing police work than i am doing firework but there are some people here with me that they are some of the best firefighters i've ever known and they love it and they are phenomenal at it and they are far better at it than they would be if they were to go back to the PD side because this is just more of a passion for them and they, they really enjoy it. And like I said before, I think I am not so much or I'm not as good on the fire side as I am on the PD side. Um, I enjoy the PD work more, but on the, flip hand of it i enjoy medical calls i i'm an emt i was four years before i got into law enforcement and i just enjoy that side of it so i get to get to respond to medical calls while on the pd side so i get kind of both on that side so that's why i enjoy that more i think i'm better at it but i'm i'm not bad at being a firefighter i'm not the best by any means like i can definitely improve on a lot of shit, but I think I just realized kind of maybe a fallacy in my own thinking is that I I've been, you know, for me and for Chuck as well, firefighting and police work are two separate mentalities, right? It just, it's two separate ways of thinking and viewing the job, right? It's it, it, your mindset is though. I, I'm thinking that you are a person going between, you know, back and forth between these two mindsets, but it sounds to me like I'm again, creating a false dichotomy and, and you are a whole third thing because your mindset, you've been raised from a pup, you know, to have this dual mindset of public safety. So you, you guys don't have that either, or you guys just, it's totally normal for you to be, you know, both and. Yeah. And obviously it gets, it comes more natural to some than it does others. And, but everyone that makes it through the training has the mentality of it and they do the very best they can to assist, which that's all we can really ask for is 
as long as you're trying to help out and you're not just sitting around being lazy, we can't really ask for anything better because you're, you're giving it your all, whether you're on the fire side or the PD side, you're, you're working hard because most of our life is, you know, we don't get a lot of, a lot of off time because we're constantly at trainings for both PD, fire, EMS. So our days off aren't really days off. And I guess since you guys were in, you, you understand that trainings take up a lot of time and mm, training in court. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially court. Um, but yeah, so we have our, our trainings that we go to on days off and it's the people that stick around are the ones that are truly committed to it. And I'll, I'll trust them to have my back in any situation. Those overtime checks must be pretty good. They're not bad. They're not bad. Yeah. Uh, what about like tactical units like SWAT? So we do have a, a SWAT unit and it is. I'm assuming it's a collateral assignment, right? Yes. So we have both people on the fire division and the police division that make up the, the SWAT team. And then that's a whole different mentality when they're, when they're called out for SWAT, they become that. Like they're no, they don't have to wear two hats. They're just. Uh, nope. I would say that they switch to a third hat and don't worry about the first two because they are differently tactically sound than the regular patrol officers are because that's, that's all they do out outside of their normal training is they, they breach, they clear rooms, uh, hostage situation so they're they're more sound in those areas so they switch to just that and that is all they focus on hmm. that's nice. yeah that's kind of what i figured is when they're doing swat stuff they just become that they kind of put the other two out of the out of their thought process it's fascinating to me just it, it the the how many different hats you guys have to wear and how your mindset has to shift in and and how you you really i mean maybe chuck's right maybe that is a a, a model that many people should be looking at i i personally am of the idea that mega police departments you know gigantic huge police departments don't work um the way we would want them to like, you know, 40,000 NYPD cops or 10,000 LAPD cops or 10,000 LA sheriff's deputies, you know, things in life work much better on a smaller scale. The larger the scale, the larger the corruption, the larger the, the problems, the larger the, absolutely the the machine becomes impersonal. So, um, you know, I, I could see a world where police departments would be no bigger than a geographical area at, or or a population area and they could only you know each each one would be run autonomously and then we'd report to like a commission or whatever who knows but it well, sounds just, like yours is an interesting blend of the city saying well you guys are just responsible for our safety entirely and you guys figure out how to do it <laughs> yeah and I, yeah. I can't think like how many times fire has beat PD to a call and if they were cross-trained like you had a handful of the dudes on an engine not all but maybe like a few were cross-trained as PD and had police powers and they could apprehend a suspect how many more suspects would be caught than than not you know because there's so many times that I I get beaten to a call by FD it's just I think it's great the destruction of evidence you know in at at a scene there's a, they would be more mindful of that. Right. Yeah. than anyone else. Well, John, thank you for coming on, man. I, this was been, I know, you know, your, your story time was, was shortened a little bit because we had so many questions, but that's, you know, like, like Chuck said, you're like a unicorn. This is to be expected from us. Cause you know, it, it's, you're meeting someone for the first time <laughs> that does this yeah. kind of stuff. All the questions come out, you know? Yeah. Where is it all? <clears throat> I've worked with, I mean, I've worked with federal, federal agents. I've worked with marshals and secrets. I've worked with all kinds of law enforcement. I've worked with 
many, many different types of, you know, hazmat, you know, arson, all the fire gas, never both. Right. Right. So we appreciate you coming on and telling us all that stuff. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, my understanding, Chuck, is uh, you have the dedication for this week. I do. Um, Those of you who follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you saw that we posted earlier this week um, an LAPD officer who who, uh, died in line of duty. His name is uh, Police Officer Houston Tipping. Uh, His end of watch was Sunday, May 29th, 2022. Police officer Houston Tipping succumbed to his injuries sustained three days earlier during a training scenario at the Elysian Park Police Academy. This right here hits so close to home because when I live in California too, we've all gone to trainings where it's it's tough, it's rough, it's it's hard, it's it's whatever. But you never expect someone to die in a training accident. And when someone does, sometimes it hits harder than than others. Because you don't expect it. Um, exactly. He was participating in a defensive tactic scenario with another officer when he fell and suffered a spinal cord injury. Other officers immediately began CPR before he was transferred to a local hospital. He succumbed to his injuries May 29, 2022. Officer Tipping had served with the Los Angeles Police Department for five years and was assigned to the Devonshire Division. He is survived by his parents, stepfather, and two siblings. And what they failed to mention is also his girlfriend. Um, he was a bike instructor. Um, an adjunct bike instructor. He was participating in a scenario um, with uh, the bikes. <clears throat> and in these types of scenarios, you ride your bike up, you dismount your bike, and you get into a fight. And he was the adjunct instructor. So he was uh, what I believe was in a suit, and uh, which we all know as a red man suit. Um, and during that scenario, took a fall just a wrong, wrong fall and suffered a spinal cord injury. Um, unfortunately, in part of the spinal cord that it injured, uh, it cut off oxygen and blood supply to the brain. Um, the officers, they were able to revive him on scene. Um, but due to the fact of where the spinal cord injury was, the oxygen and the blood were not getting to the brain. And, um, Unfortunately, he perished due to his injuries during that 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 incident training scenario. He was 32 years old, five year tour, and uh, on ODMP the badge number is not available. But they are also still in the investigation process, so they're not going to release any of that stuff. Informations, yeah. So operational security. So this goes out to Houston Tipping. Officer Tipping, rest easy, brother. We got it from here, and I want to add that if you are are you inclined if you're inclined to pray i would not only pray for his family and and girlfriend and those he left behind but also for the other officer involved in that training accident right because, he's taking that hard um to to be involved in an incident that costs someone their life when they're a suspect is one thing but to be involved in an incident that costs someone their life when it's your friend and your partner is is completely different so oh, yeah i, I just um, I just think about him and, you know, for, for, for officer tipping, you know, his family is suffering, but officer tipping, tipping suffering is over. But for, uh, the officers involved in the incident, the suffering is just beginning. Um, so our, uh, <clears throat> our hearts and thoughts and prayers are for them right now as well. So, um, right. Rest easy brothers, um, rest easy brother tipping. We got it from here and, uh, to the rest of you we're 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 supporting you and you know shit happens don't you 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 can't can't blame yourself right take one day at a time and talk to people if you need to they're there exactly and uh we have some other notes real quick before we uh sign off uh one of all thank you everyone for listening today uh if you like today's podcast please go follow us on our instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our facebook at War Stories Podcast. If you already follow us and share our posts and our info, you can also go to the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook to reach all of our socials, our media, and our website. Our podcast is in all major plat- uh, platforms. Um, 
as well as on YouTube. If you want to support us, please go to our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com. Grab some gear. We still have some movie hoodies, shirts, patches, and stickers left. We will be doing some uh, summer gear as well. And on that note, for the summer gear on Monday when this airs, we will be um, looking at around 10, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be doing a poll and see if you guys like our our uh, logo for our summer uh, tanks. And uh, so rate it. If you guys like it, we'll do it. If not, we'll look at something else Yeah, and uh, give us messages on if you think it's cool, if you think there's a better design, what have you, because we want to make stuff that you guys like, that you guys want to purchase. And that also helps us support the podcast. Right. Um, Does us no good to make stuff you don't mm, like. Right. And uh, if you want to be featured on our show, and think you have a story or want to be um, share one of your stories, please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com and send me your story and I can get you booked. We're looking for law enforcement, corrections officers, dispatchers, firefighters, medics, and veterans. And nurses. Mm-hmm. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us. Give them our info on our booking email. Again, thank you for the support. Stay safe. And uh, John, I want to just thank you one more time for being on. We appreciate it. Um, and just stay safe out there and, and, uh, you know, if, if you can shoot the fire, do it. If not, just, uh, make sure they give you plenty of hose. <laughs> well, again, yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a, it was a pleasure. Uh, no, yes, it was thank a you, pleasure, John. man. Thanks. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to come back, just let us know. Absolutely. I will. All right. All right. Until our next episode, come home with your shield or honor.